just a small town girl living in a lonely world. She took a midnight train going anywhere. Just a city boy born and raised in South Detroit. He took a midnight train going anywhere. <laughs> I love that song. It's as good as it gets. <laughs> no, that was really great. Thank you so much, Natalia. I can't believe you're here. Finally, like we, we've been chatting how many years? And, it's got to be. And I guess just the stars line things up, and you came into town for the show, and uh, you're visiting Linda. She's got the booth there at the show, so a sh huge shout-out to Linda there. So it was just funny that you reached out. I go, last minute, can you? Can we do a show on Sunday? Uh, sure, sure. Let's let's connect. We'll totally it. forgetting it was Easter <laughs> and holidays and all that stuff. So yeah. No, it's all good. Thank you so much for being here. So uh, let me just share out the deets here. So detail by design. Seventeen years, eh? That's a long time. I know. Ups and downs. And I, I guess I say that with the industry has dramatically yes, changed yes. in tw in two decades. Right. Oh, yeah dramatically right so uh website is triple w detail by design the email is n-a-t-a-l-i-a at detail by design and then facebook is detail by design ottawa detail by design on instagram oh sorry detail by design 15 on instagram yeah on instagram and then detail by design on twitter so i guess someone took detail by design on instagram they did and they're very inactive Oh, so they're just hanging on to it. They're one of those. Yeah. I can't stand one of those. You'll you'll be creative one day and just kind of up. Oh, well, there you go. Detail by Design 15. That's how it works. <laughs> what are we going to chat about today here? Uh, what aren't we going to chat about today? Well, I don't know. I think there's pretty much open on the table. It's uh, My book is what, coming out soon. So I, I want to hear a lot about the book. I know that off mic you were chatting about it. And I didn't realize that it was a three-parter. Yeah, which yeah. is really really cool. It's a great tool for a consumer as well as a trade, because you can give it to a client and say, "This is what you're going to be going through," because I I share a lot of truths that maybe people don't want to hear, and I think a lot of trades are afraid to have that conversation. To have that conversation. What do you call the book? Inside renovations. Okay. And how long has this been germinating inside you, like, to kind of come up with this thing? Probably about two years. Okay. So I started, I had taken a break from my company after just being hit with a lot of challenges. Lost my cabinet manufacturer and just having gone through a divorce and all of the financial implications. I just... Life. I, life. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> And I needed a break. So I thought, okay, just go get a job, collect a paycheck, which when you're a serial entrepreneur, that's it's impossible. Yeah, it's difficult. But sometimes it, I guess what's the best word here? Cleanse you? Yeah. I, I, I just it kind well, of refocuses you. It, it's a learning expedition. Yeah. Because you see the way people run their businesses and you learn all the kinds of things that not to do, to do. <laughs> so yeah there was so I took a year off um, it ended up putting me in a really bad place personally it uh, the the company I worked for made me do things that I felt was compromising my integrity so you were questioning yourself or were you questioning okay you, you just get into a really 
low spot. This isn't where I want to be. This, this is not I what I want to be. be a part of. No. They let me go because I was disorganized, which anybody that knows me would laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm OCD. Disorganized by by, by accident. Wink, wink. Yeah, yeah. It was their excuse because I was challenging them on some of their protocols and stuff like that. So they didn't like the fact that I questioned, but I'm an entrepreneur. So What were their responses like? Were they just dismissive and they didn't want to carry that? Very dismissive. Really? Offended. Really? In a lot of ways. They wanted to put trackers in our vehicles. Because the ones on the, our phones weren't good enough. You know how much fun I would have if someone put a tracker in my vehicle? I would just purposely go to certain places you're not allowed to go to and just make that tracker dent on the GPS. Yeah, yeah. No, it was, it was just, it was so, I don't know. You work for a company and they don't trust you to do your job. And it was the type of thing that you couldn't do the job in the eight hours a day. So you were, you had no choice. You had to, like, I would spend nine, 10 hours a day, never took a lunch, never took breaks, never, like I was a project manager and you pound and pound and pound. And I felt that the project description, the scope of works were never complete. You always had to ask your clients for more money, always. And So they didn't prepare the clients properly. I didn't feel like it. So I, and and that was what prompted the book is because I thought all of these people are so stressed and they've gone through this huge ordeal and no shit. Renovating your house is, it's not HGTV. It is disruptive. It's nasty. It's filthy. It's dirty. It's every, everything that you can think of and more and worse. But it's never presented on that four letter word channel. No, but it's temporary. Yeah. And nobody prepares anybody for the temporary. I wrote the book and I, and I, the, the initial part of it is a deep dive into renovations in general. So just, just spilling it out, things to do, not to do. If you're a DIYer, there's stuff that shit that you just shouldn't touch. Like electrical is one of them. And I'm a hard, hard line on that. Like you don't touch electrical, period. So legally speaking, every, legally speaking. every home, castle, king of, queen of yeah. is allowed to touch all the electrical they want by ESA standards. Without moving it. No, they can do it, but they just have to apply for the permit and they still have to okay. abide by all the rules. Fair but the, I just find it really strange. But if strange. you haven't inspected, yeah. then... Absolutely. If you're going to do it by the book, then knock yourself out. But most DIYers but won't. There's the key word. Do it by the book. Yeah. Most homeowners aren't. They don't want to read the book. No. They no. don't want to do their due diligence. So when I, But you can burn your house down. So like, do your due diligence. <laughs> like, exactly. Hire a damn electrician. You can flood your house You can with a plumber if you do it yourself. You can electrical. You can put the house on fire. And you, take your whole neighborhood out. Yeah. So, so yeah. There's levels of, of skills required for various activities, and I kind of go through that. I also talk about when you should and maybe when you shouldn't renovate, uh, like as a homeowner. There are some houses, depending on when you bought it, the amount of equity that you have, the, the and I mean, housing has been stupid the last few years, but I talk about the average housing increase over the last three decades, and it averages about 5% a year. 
and I, I remember but you, in on the your last, last year. Well, you were saying on yeah. your last episode, it was 22%. Yeah. Yep. 200,000, over 200,000 increase since one year ago. Terrible. So Canada is one of the most expensive places to live in the entire world. Yeah. And for what Canada, I guess, offers to what other countries, I guess, offer and what we're charging for our housing here, it is quite ridiculous. I, I know that we're getting ahead of ourselves because people really don't know who you are. Like, where's your background? Where you got started? I want to try to get into that before diving into all sure. the books. So I kind of fell into the kitchen and bath industry. Um, I had started off in school before I had started my family in architectural technology. So I have that kind of a nerdy scientist background and then started having a family and, you know, life happens and things get delayed and as my kids are getting back to school or all going off to school, then I'm thinking, okay, now it's time for a career launch. And went back to school and discovered, sort of started the interior design, but more the decorating side of things, which wasn't, as I discovered, it wasn't enough. Like decorating was just, it was, and no offense to anybody out there that does this, it's fluffy. It's, <laughs> I I'll take the offense. I couldn't do I'll, the fluffy. I'll, I'll take the offense. <laughs> But I found like architecture because there is a difference between a decorator and they're good at what and they an do. interior designer. There's, there's there is. it's two different types of there people. Is. Yes. Now I'm not a licensed or a certified interior designer. I'm a, I'm a certified kitchen and bath designer. Okay. So I've I've got my first level certification with National Kitchen and Bath Association. But the difference with a kitchen designer versus an interior designer is. We have an understanding of the entire building envelope. So structural, we deal with all the mechanical systems. We deal with electrical, plumbing, uh, HVAC, and all of the components that deal with it. So it's not just putting boxes in spaces. It's not just putting fixtures in spaces. It's actually creating effective ergonomic work zones that are functional 100 percent, and then look nice yeah so one of the of big i just want to say one of the biggest things about kitchens that clients should really know which you probably know and a lot of people that focus on that is that exhaust system which is directly huge. tied to the hvac system and you can go into a showroom and and choose your 48 inch 150 million thousand BTU stove range and then you could have that hood range that could basically sound a little noisier than a jet engine that's affecting your building envelope Absolutely. and your HVAC plan and all this other stuff you yeah. have to factor that in it's just not about a pretty hood well, and it's the way buildings are built today versus how they were 30 40 years ago is entirely different so that's when HRVs and ERVs came into effect and all of that, which is actually more my next book. But you get into the science of, of it all. And I actually had like a toe-to-toe -to -toe battle with a couple of clients that didn't want to put proper hood fan. Oh, we'll just recirculate. And I'm like, no, you won't. And they've so you, got... So you want to cook pioneer style with all this smoke? Ranges. Yeah. I said, first of all, it's against code. But the problem with... And the code is purposely vague you try and find in section nine specifics about ventilation in a kitchen they don't there are none there because are really very you know why vague specs they can't so they Fair no enough. nobody is choosing the bare minimum like what is a basic hood 36 inch or even a 30 inch what is the basic cfm was on on one of those exhausts maybe 100 120 at the max 
Today, yeah. clients are asking for what? A bare minimum of 600 to even 800. And that starts changing it from a four inch to a six inch. You can even get as big as an eight. eight. Inch. A lot of them are eight inch. Eight inch hole to go outside your house to, to suck. And because you have to suck that stuff out of there. Yeah. But, so, I mean, clients don't understand that. that well, they, that's a, that's critical. So where the code comes from, it actually comes from the specifications of the appliance manufacturer. So I, I talked to my, my HVAC guy and I said, okay, let's talk, let's talk clearances above gas ranges. Minimum. And he said, as far as TSSA is concerned, 18 inches is fine. No. Oh. Yeah. That's 18 inches. In their code. That's too close. It is. It's I'm ridiculous. Sorry. A gas top? But the appliance manufacturer, 99% of them are 30 to 36 inches. Yeah, that makes sense. Which supersedes all building codes. You always go with the spec of the unit. Yeah. You ha- They're the ones that designed it, built it, tested it. Yeah. So why would you... Yeah. So when you have the conversation with a client, they don't know any of this. No. They, and a lot of contractors aren't aware they, they may be very versed in their building code, which is again, purposely vague. And even TSA is ver- purposely vague. So you have to collaborate all of these various information. And that's where we come in because yep. we know all of this. I, I, I had a toe-to-toe battle with a client, and I said to them, they wanted to read. I always oversize my hood. Which 30 is inch good. range, I go 36-inch hood. Whether the unit itself is 36 inches, I don't care. The space is one size bigger. If I have a 42-inch range, the space is 48. If I have a 48-inch range, the space is going to be minimum 54. Every single time. And they said, no, 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 let's go back to the 30. And I'm like, you're battling with me over six inches. I said, you've hired a professional to give you advice because you weren't able to get the kitchen designed the way you wanted or functional. Why are you fighting me on six inches? Because they want to use it for cabinets. Six, what are you going to fit in six inches? Just in their mind, they, they think that's a world of space. When you're, re- I guess you can tell us more than that. When you're redesigning a kitchen, they already know all their faults from the previous kitchen. So they've destroyed all that. And then they have their front runners of what they've hated about that previous kitchen. And I think that in the top three, space is probably one oh, of the top is. three. It's always, it's, so if you tell them six inches, I mean, I want that six inches for something, something. I don't know what my coffee well, mug, something. Do. But the longevity, the functionality of your range. That's, yeah, that's key. Your functionality of your range now is, and it may be imperceptible in the sense of you don't see that extra few inches. But what it gives you is it separates your cooking surface from any of your millwork. You've now given that a little bit of extra space from heat from steam it gives you a little bit more clearance for the big stock pot if you choose to cook that way it makes your cabinets last longer if you happen to do light balances and you've got gas appliances you don't have that awkward check and that stop because you need to have that distance of clearance yeah so you've you've prevented a whole lot of ugliness that goes along with needing the space but you've also increased the longevity of your cabinets. So if you're going to invest in a kitchen renovation, then why wouldn't that be an automatic consideration? I go back to space. 
clients just want the space. That's the only argument I could see. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure, but that's yeah, the only argument. Six inches? I, six I, inches. I, I, trust me, I agree with you. <laughs> I, I would say, yes, thank you very much, and I agree with you. That's what I would say at that point. And, and I, plus, I, I think it, it gives you more um, cerebral. It kind, of, like it kind of gives you more of a sense that yeah. the cooking area is larger than what it really is yeah. if you don't encroach the upper cabinet so close to the cooking surface. Well, and it gives, it makes it a feature. Yeah. So you've now got, and I mean, hoods can be beautiful focal points. So why not make it more functional, more attractive, and it's not that much of a sacrifice of space like it really doesn't it really doesn't affect your space dramatically or a perceptible amount especially if the rest of it is we deal with you know drawers and bases and pullouts and you know all the bells and whistles but yeah so there's there's a few hard lines that i i don't negotiate microwaves over the range is another one oh god i i can't can't even can't even list all of the bad reasons that's that's in the same vein as a TV over a fireplace for me. Yeah. That's just me. Yep. I'm Those sorry. two are in the I just same. like a microwave over a stove? No. TV over a fireplace? No. And funny, they're ironic. They both are heating surfaces underneath, right? So I'm like, get rid of something above a heating surface. That's just me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, but does... everybody wants it there. Oh. Why do they want it there? I don't know. Well, understand. unless your fireplace is only 30 inches off the floor, or your mantle is only 30 oh, inches sure. off the, the low, floor. The low linear one, sure. Yeah. But, but that's I, far and few. Like, I don't know about you, but my freaking neck gets sore looking up. I never sit in the front row of the theater. No. Never have. Oh, it's awful. I've had to sit there, and it's like, oh my God, this is the worst place in the world to sit. Yeah, no, it's terrible. terrible. So, in 20 years of designing kitchens, what's changed? Nothing. It's always been the same for the clients asking for the same i guess different selections of material yeah there's there's different styles like you know god help us all if we have to do one more white shaker kitchen what's um, wrong with shaker oh, natalia yuck. <laughs> if they go shaker i at least convince them to go a wide rail shaker okay so go with like a three and a half or you know at least a three inch feels a little beefier yeah but yeah, and, and white kitchens will never, ever, 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 ever go out of style. No, they they'll last forever. They do. They will. What were people doing before Shaker? Um, flat panel. Actually, flat panels come back in a big, big way. Glossy and I, or mats? Mats. Mats have yeah. yeah. And the textured laminates and like, there's some really nice material out there. A lot of walnut uh, in slab as well. I think it's the cleanability. Nobody wants to deal with the little grooves in and around a raised panel or that sort of thing. So there's a simplicity, there's a cleanability. That was that's a big thing. But I think the biggest trend is appliances. What's going on? I remember at KBIS because before off mic we were talking about the shows. There was a year. I'm trying to think of three years ago, maybe four years ago. They were bringing in all this new gunmetal stainless steel appliances, mm. and I was really loving it. Never saw it come to market, really. There was a few big manufacturers that were doing custom color. Okay. So decor used to be my go-to choice for when it, for cooking appliances. I've had decor. The, the performance it's is nice. phenomenal. Yeah, I it's love nice. them for cooking appliances. Then they got bought out. By whom? Samsung. Oh, fuck. And I don't <laughs> think the family... Cause 
Decor was family-owned. They were a family-developed company. Actually, just like Mila. Mila is family-owned as well. A lot of the Canadian manuf- or the Canadian distributors have dropped them. And really? I don't know why. So I was trying to get in touch. I was actually supposed to go to an event at KBiz this year with Decor so that I could nail Find. some executives yeah. down for some answers. Because I can't... I, I get asked all the time what I'm specifying, like what I recommend. So I have my list, and, and Decor was my top when it came to especially their cooktops, their wall ovens, their their ranges, their dual fuel ranges. They're nice. They have a they have a cooktop that literally sits flush with your countertop. Like it recesses in. It's stunning. A ceramic? Is it an induction kind of thing? No. Well, they have induction too yeah. that are flush, but no, this is gas. This is a gas and a it sits. gas cooktop really? that sits flush. It's beautiful wow yeah when was the when did samsung buy them how far back i think it i think it got implemented so it's been i think three years but oh so this is just recent it got implemented like within the last two years are we starting to see a difference in the appliances or not yet well i know i know one of the big manufacturers our big distributors in toronto no longer carries them and is I that a political conflict of interest I don't because know. of the Samsung thing? I don't know. We don't know. And we'll never know. No. But it's a shame that... But I have, like, I have all kinds of good friends in the industry in like in the United States, and they get flown out. They had this huge event, and I was like, why don't they bring Canadians down? But they brought them down to Mechanic City in California where decor is manufactured, and they wined and dined and fed them all, and... and you get a product knowledge and an understanding. And I was trying to get some answers of why this is an option for, for Canadians, because again, it was my go-to appliance. So until I can get those answers, I can't recommend them because I've not heard good things about even staff that used to be reps. Really? They're just keeping mum. Is that the idea? They're just staying kind of quiet. They're, they're not, they're seeing something that, that I don't know. Yeah. Because, I mean, they were all made in the U.S., weren't they? Yeah. Are they going to shift manufacturing? Now that it's Samsung, I don't know. It just kind of fits that they would, doesn't it? Put it underneath the Samsung umbrella that's just growing and growing. Yeah, I don't know. I mean... You would think that if you're going to buy a boutique-type quality product that you would... That you've bought them for a reason to, to either expand your brand and maintain that level... I don't know. It'd be a real shame I would if think Samsung that the reason you buy that. it is so then you could acquire all of the levels of quality that they and do, the technology. but then dumb it down for the mainstream. That's yeah. what I can assume. Yeah. Right. Because I, I was at the the new decor showroom in uh, the A and the A and D Center in New York City. Okay. And it's a spectacular showroom. Like it's breathtaking. Um, and their level of refrigeration actually upped their game because of Samsung, I would suspect. But there was a level that would compete with the other luxury brands. Really? Um, that I could see. Like, I would have actually seriously considered adding decor on my refrigeration list. But, like, I, I need I need some answers. And unfortunately, I wasn't able to get them. How were they represented this year in KBIS? Um, was it? No, it wasn't super really? strong. They had an event, and unfortunately, we couldn't make it because we couldn't get a car. 
Okay. But because that's where I was trying to get the answers that I that I needed, and I don't have a rep anymore locally. Like when Samsung took over, they they fired all their reps or let them all go, and that's I think that was a mistake. Any appliance companies at KBS this year that kind of stood out? Anything new and interesting? Mila. Mila, really? Yeah. Well, so here's the thing. I have a Mila coffee machine that I would I would trade my firstborn for. I love it, but it's just there's a lot of zeros behind that first number. There is, but you know what? I have had my machine for five and a half years, and I've had my first service. When he pulled the numbers off of it, there was been 11,000 cups of coffee brewed on that machine before I needed a service. I'm not dis- it's a beautiful machine, and I agree with you. But I probably saved those zeros true. from going to Starbucks. True. Very, very true. Because I, my coffee's better. It is good. It's, it's very impressive. And the technology behind it, when you open it up and look at the guts and see how it's all set up. Brilliant. It's, it is. It's and a, now yeah. they have three reservoirs for different beans. Really? So you can have your morning bean. You can have your decaf bean in the evening. Like it's Ooh. brilliant. And the best coffee ever. It's worth all the zeros. It's very, very good. Like I'm telling you, I'd have to sell my firstborn if I had to replace my machine. It's, it's it, worth it. It's I would, worth it more I'd than totally. he is. And it's a nice built-in unit. Well, my, I have a countertop version. Oh, you have a countertop version. And it's even, like it doesn't take up much space. Oh, I love it. Love it, love it, love they it. Were, love they were, that, that was, a, that's a smart. But they have a vacuum. Okay. Like a portable vacuum that's coming out that is you can put the motor at the top, you can put the motor at the bottom, you can reconfigure all the parts, you can buy a new motor if it ever dies in 15 years. Anyways, but my experience with the service tech was it it actually upped my opinion of Mila. Really? And because of course I've got a service tech in my house and there's literally two that service the entire Ottawa area. I'm ha- I have him in my house. I have a captive audience for like two hours while he's working on my appliance. So I asked him, I said, tell me about your dishwasher. Because that's the one that I actually specify for all my clients. I said, if you want the best bish- dishwasher available, you go Mila. And I said, it's quiet. It cleans. You don't have to worry about country water. I said, it's brilliant design. He doesn't see them until they're at least eight years old. Really? Eight years old. What appliance, what anything can you buy nowadays that you don't have to worry about servicing for I'm eight gonna years? I'm going to say Samsung. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's, I mean, I grew up on almond color, green color appliances that didn't fail. Different, you, different breed, though. Yeah, completely different breed. But that's what I get from the sense of these kinds of brands like Mealy, right, where they're making products that are not supposed to fail. They're making products that are supposed to perform. That's what I respect. And when you buy a luxury brand, you honest to God, you get what you pay for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it might be $2,000 for a dishwasher. But eight years? I, 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 That's a long dish, time. My dishwasher got replaced a couple years ago, and it was probably a $600 dishwasher. It is a hit and miss of this piece of crap even cleans dishes mm-hmm. you don't ever take anything out without yeah, inspecting that, it that's exactly it that like when you actually open up the door and you check it out the dishes are clean yeah yeah which is kind go, of go not, kinda, is that not the, the purpose the dish washer dish washer yeah, yeah. right <laughs> so yeah f- the whole level of frustration so it's like really the bang for your buck so it was the longevity that that impressed the hell out of me 
their appliances, like they're cooking, like their ranges, 15, 20 years. They're built to last yeah. that time. And I was having a conversation with a client and they were saying that, oh yeah, we bought, we're in our second fridge and our third range. And I'm like... What brands do you want to share? I, no? I honestly, I didn't even get into okay. it. Because, right. you know, we're redoing their kitchen and it was... I said, okay, if you're, depending on what you're looking for, I said, Mila's great for dishwashers. Their cooking appliances are pretty revolutionary. Refrigeration, my top is Liebherr. Yep. Um, Sub-Zero, goes without speaking. Wolf Ranges. Um, and I mean, I still love the decor. Yeah. Now, mind you, they dropped their custom color, so there's no, you know, purple range in my future, but... Unless I go Bertazzoni or something like that. That's but the one thing I like about the Bertazzoni is because it just like that color, that, that splash vintage. of color. Yeah. But it's that vintage Vintage look. look of it. And you almost feel as if you're not in Canada, you're in Europe somewhere yeah. and you go outside to the backyard and you're overlooking a hillside, right? That You kind of get that sense. It's a different kind of, is it a good performing unit though? Yeah. In I, the same range as I, kind I, of a wolf? Kind of, it I is, yeah? I think it is there. I think it All is right. there. Accessibility might be a little bit more of a challenge. Service-wise? Well, that and I don't know how readily available. I mean, Toronto area is probably no problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Ottawa. I think there's a couple it, becoming more and more mainstream. But I, and I have to give a shout out. Go ahead. There's a company at the show that's called Fotile. It's it's F or P H. F O T I L E. So you would think, okay, Fotile. You ventilation like you've never seen before there it's german engineered they have an entire facility in germany that engineers all of their products and of course it's it's with total german configuration it is manufactured in china it is probably one of the most brilliant lines of appliances i've ever seen like their 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 uh, range hood and their filtration is absolutely brilliant really and my whole nerd side, when we get into the wellness discussion, they have a sensor on their hoods that senses when VOCs exceed a certain level and it will kick on automatically to help them. So atmospheric VOCs. Atmospheric VOCs. Really? Within the kitchen. And it will kick on automatically. And I, I like that. Well, so I've my nerd self got into a whole lot of uh, research and I actually did a presentation at KBiz this year on indoor air quality. Okay. So Linda and I yeah. co-presented. And nobody, like most homeowners don't even think about this stuff. No. Well, and air is a really tough conversation with people because you can't see it. I always and ask clients, do you guys open up your windows in the spring or do you just transition from heat to cool and leave all the windows closed all year long? Because it's basically like a Ziploc bag kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Like the, sure, we all have our ERVs, we have our HRVs, and we're recycling the air. But if you're not cleaning those filters and those units are not doing what they're supposed to be doing, that air is not good. Well, and I had a client that, oh, we don't run our HRV. At all? No. They only turn it on on occasion. I'm like, you realize it's meant to run Const- 24-7. Yeah. And no, no, we don't do that. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> like... The purpose of the HRVs, and, and I mean, this is for consumers out there, is because the building envelopes 
with all the materials and all the the insulation advancements like using spray foam and and building wraps and and all of that stuff it has now made the building envelope so tight that there is no there's no infiltration of any fresh air fresh air accidentally yeah ever anymore at all i tell clients how do you wake up in the morning when you wake up in the morning how do you feel like a good point. Yeah. How do you feel? Like, are you, do you feel stuffy? Do you feel like kind of exhausted? Like you weren't breathing properly. So basically you weren't sleeping properly. So your house is not in good shape. Yeah. It's failing is what's going on. So it's, they should address it, but you're right. They can't see it. Well, and how do you fix something you can't see? So it, you know, it's that whole conversation. I would ask Stevie Wonder, but I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But the the whole air quality, and it, I think COVID really uh, put air quality on the map. Yeah. Um, And very much. Don Shala made, uh, and he's the the CEO and founder of Delos, and he made a comment, um, and I was watching uh, a presentation because he also founded the International Well Building Institute which has the well-building standard. He made a comment uh, in one presentation. He was saying before COVID, there was about a 3% awareness of indoor air quality. What's it now? 97%. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Because they realize... Because all of a sudden you realize all these airborne and air-transmitted viruses and diseases comes through our air that we're breathing and it even though you know there's all the kinds of stats oh yeah 95 percent of the time we spend indoors and you know indoor air quality in homes is two to five times worse than outdoor and blah 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 blah. but when you look at all of the like the the california air resource board and all of the 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 it's what s s c a q m d i call them squawk mid but the the um, i've heard of it before yeah yeah Southern California, yep. air yep. quality, blah, 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 blah. It's all to do with outdoor air quality. Nobody monitors. There's no configuration. There's no baselines. There's no discussion of indoor air quality. And going to that point, there really is in the building code either. No. Which is sad because it should. It's scary. And even just before your pre-COVID 3% versus 97% comment, homeowners were going from their house to their car to their office. So you tell me how much time were you spending outside in fresh air? Well, in, if you live in Canada, it's probably anywhere from 2 to 3% of your day, yeah. if you're lucky. Yeah, you're in a box somehow. And working from home, people probably never cross the threshold yeah. for days. Yeah. You know, and... You know, unless you have a dog that you have to take out for a walk or you like outdoor activities, the, the amount of time that people spend indoors is alarming. It is. And, and when you even start paying attention yourself, and, you know, I work from home, I always have, but, you know, when you not, when going out isn't as easy or it was, has been a challenge or you have no place to go, it's like, how much time do you really? Most people didn't. You know, which is if, really scary. Yeah. Plus, I'm sure that they, hopefully the smarter ones that were paying attention to some of the, when they woke up, how they felt, were paying attention to 
furnace filters, HRV filters, and paying attention to, okay, they need to be changed every month, if not, you know, more frequently. But that's, it's so much beyond your furnace filter. Yeah, for sure. So I put in, um, again, my nerd self and all my research and stuff, I found this. So I deal with Wolseley, who's one of the largest plumbing nature yeah, distributors in uh, North America. They're actually part of Ferguson. So Ferguson's in the States, Wolseley in Canada. Anyways, I, I have a, I'm on a first name basis with the manager <laughs> of my Wolseley <laughs> location. He's a great guy. Anyways, he was showing me they have this system. You pop into the return air of your furnace. Okay. It's a UVGI light with the O3 component for if you want the extra bit for uh, odors. And of course I have pets, so. I thought, oh, I'm in. Sign me up. So bought this thing. It took me longer to wire the plug end on the wire that came for the unit to plug into a receptacle versus hardwiring. Took me longer to put the plug on that than it did to install it in my furnace. And I did it myself. But How big is this unit? It's, it's about this big. Okay. And like eight, ten inches. Yeah. The, the bulb... The UVGI bulb is about 21, 22-ish inches long. Okay. It sticks into your return air duct. The ozone, the O3 part was um, four or five inches, but literally two two-inch holes. Okay. Cut the holes, bolt the unit onto the side, plug it in. That's Done. it. Done. So I do this. I took a indoor air quality test with a Petri dish, special Petri dish designed for the before. I installed it, took another Petri dish test uh, 60 days later, and? Uh, and I'll show you the results because really? they're staggering. Like, So within a two-month period, it actually clean. When you see the before air, it's like it just makes you want to throw up. Really? Because when you see what's growing... In. And that's been my biggest problem with North America because North America is such a forced air system where you're moving all this air and you're creating all this, I guess, dirty air versus a radiant system with a filtration system attached to it is a lot cleaner, a lot healthier. Yeah. Well, and forced air, yeah, it, it's it's a really catch-22. I mean, I love, I love heated floors. Um, I mean, it's twice the price. You got to add an AC component, so you're still adding a forced air system. It's the cooling. A small, yeah, it's the cooling, it's the part, cooling of part of it because I've never been a fan of wall-mounted units. Um, they don't look attractive. They never have. They never will. So that was the original one. That's so I'm basically looking at a petri dish that belongs in a horror movie. That it is. That's that. That's a lot. Yeah. And then 60 days later, it was clean. 60 Cleaner. days later. And this is untouched. Oh, wow. That's dramatically different. Yeah. There's one tiny little spot. Yeah. Wow. And that's just that unit that's did that. That's just that unit. I did nothing else. What do you have to do for servicing that unit or the bulb or anything? I think you have to, to probably replace your bulb after a few years. That's it. That's it. What was the cost of that unit? My cost? Well, trade. But We're talking about trade people. Trade here. cost. So yeah. like 400 That's nothing. 420 bucks, I think. With That's tax nothing. In. So it's so worth it. Are you noticing a difference in the air quality? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just, you just, you just feel better. Mm -hmm. And I was always conscious because I have cats and I have a dog and just the way, I don't know, like you don't have that, that 
stuffy, snotty feeling in the it's morning the when you get up, like it, and you feel groggy, and I don't feel that anymore. I can't wait to the spring. Like right oh, I now, can't wait to open my windows. the windows are open, so I leave them. Doesn't matter if you start getting that chill. And we're, we've got funny weather right now going on in Toronto. Words. It was zero this morning. It, it was, was it was cold. Chilly. It was chilly, right? And then all of a sudden this afternoon got up to fifteen or so. But I can't wait to let fresh air. Like I, I've got skylights too, and I can't wait to pop them. Yeah. Like I need that air to keep on moving. Oh, the second I can open, the second I can open my windows, I'm happy. How do you sell this though? Like you said it at the beginning. You can't see it. So how do you and, and that's our biggest problem in construction when we speak to clients. They can't see these expenses so they they don't want to spend it all the stuff inside the wall everything it's it's a tough sell because it's a practical solution versus an aesthetic solution and aesthetic aesthetic gets more attention because you can see it but it's the mechanical stuff like all the mechanical things that you have to do in a home that nobody wants to talk about because it's not sexy it's not fun it's not you know, uh, speak for yourself. Well, I, think, I think a good-looking okay. furnace looks sexy. You know, <laughs> if it's done well, lined up, you know, some some diamond backboard. You know, well, like, and you know, you know, there's nothing like there's nothing like copper pipe that yes, is all in yes, line yes, and yes. all the wires that are tacked yes, down. Like exactly. Yes, that's sexy. But, but I know you mean for us nerds. Yeah, and you know. Like I, I walk into buildings and I, I'm bending down, touching flooring yep. because it's unique. Mm-hmm. Like I will, I'll never forget the first time I walked in, it was vinyl tile somewhere and I walked into a retail place and I'm like, what am I standing on? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like bending down, not looking weird to touch the floor. Cause I thought I'd never seen this cause it looked like wood, but it wasn't wood. Yeah. But it was vinyl VFT or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I think it was luxury vinyl or whatever the okay. heck it was. The weirdos of the world get really excited about that. Like you, when I see electrical, that's all in line yeah. and it's all stapled yep. and it's clean and like, oh yeah. That's... But clients don't care about no, this. So do we pull the family card? Do we say, listen, your kids will be healthier this way? I because think you need you're to pull the health card. The health card. So it's like all ages health card. Yes. This is, this is longevity. This is, this is home science. Yeah. And, and this is, this is health 101. Because if you ignore, ignore your health, it will go away. And I think it starts with air. So if you look at the well-building standard, it is th- there are 100 features designed to make buildings human-centric that are designed to make that building conducive to your health and wellness. That's what's, what, what's the building code addressing out of those 100? None? Um... Well, there's proper ventilation, there's moisture management, there's maybe 10% that are addressed on the... I was just going to say, so okay, fine, all your bathrooms have an exhaust fan. Now with code, your laundry has to have an exhaust fan. So you have the HRV, but if people aren't using it, which most clients won't... Well, so this is like a lead version. Okay. So lead is for how a building affects the environment. This is like lead, but for people. Yes. So this is how a building affects people. Now, it's designed from a commercial perspective. 
but they are developing, so this is from the International Well-Building Institute, they are developing a residential package. Because it's always been a commercial thing. Always been commercial. So why is it that people in an office environment is far more important than people in a home environment? Because you got got 100 people in an office or 1,000 people in an office, you only have four or five in a home. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I just don't... I but... It doesn't fly with me. Plus, it, it's a scalability. So if you're looking at from a business perspective and, you know, like I know you talked about your price and your passion. I don't know. The jury's out on that one. To me, it's passion. Is it really? And, and it's, for me, I think it's passion and the money will follow. But the job that you took while you were having your little sabbatical. It was definitely not enough money. That's, yeah. So but they were driven by price. They were. And, 100%. And I think at the sacrifice. See, I always think if you take care of your people to you, the best of your abilities and that's what you focus on, the money will follow. I agree. If you treat totally. people to the respect and the level that they deserve, the money will be there. I agree. You know, if you, and I think that's it. But if you focus on only the bottom line, you forget about the human element, and that's where the renovation industry lacks, is that there's a significant human element that we have to worry about. And that's big thing with the book Yeah, is... And it's a good thing for, for contractors, and I actually did a presentation uh, for Voices a few years ago about what we do to our clients. Like what you don't, do we do our, to our well, clients? We're extremely desensitive, desensitized to the chaos and disruption that we cause. We come in, we rip their house apart. We, you know, you got guys standing on the street, you know, with their cigarette butts and their their coffee cups, and and they're traipsing through with their boat, their boots, and they're making noise and banging and hammering and clanging, and that's a home. Mm-hmm. Someone's. Someone's home. Yeah. And you know they've left their half-eaten lunch left behind, or they forgot to sweep up before they left, or you've got the previous trades that left all their boxes and their wrappings and their shavings from whatever the hell they did. <laughs> oh yeah, the sparkies are great for drilling holes and plumbers. Oh my God. Oh, I've they're up just after as bad with all plumber. the pucks. I know. But the problem what they forget is it isn't just a construction zone. It's a home. It's someone's a home. home. I've always said the tradespeople as soon as humanly possible, you can in your career renovate for yourself. Doesn't matter what small the chaos and disruption exactly. that you Un- understand that you wake up in the morning and you don't have a working sink, you don't have a working toilet, you don't have a working stove. Get yourself and your family into a scenario where you're you're in that environment. So then, when you get on someone else's job site, so you which is their some home, empathy. exactly, yeah, because you will you will be totally different oh, as yeah. a tradesperson, a hundred percent different. Yeah. So having that that empathy and understanding of what they put their clients through again it helps you to understand where they're coming from when they freak and it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when (laughs) and every client has a different breaking point yes like i had uh, we were doing a we literally i think we gutted the entire main floor of a house so the kitchen the bathroom the the family room and this was a tiny condo like they didn't have any place to go and at one point in time the husband was like i gotta get out they were still living they were still living there and it's it happens so 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 many times and he's like i just need to go away for like three or four days and sometimes it's it's demo phase that sets them off sometimes it's drywall phase sometimes it's before like when all you got 
all the trades traipsing through, and you've got day after day after day after day of different people cycling through them. It is different for everybody, but every single client hits that threshold, and they hit that max, and it's how you deal with that that makes or breaks your business, in my opinion. So how do you deal with that? I let them know it will come right from our, once we've signed the contract, I will tell them, I said, there will come a point in time that you will wish you never saw my face, (laughs) that you will hate the fact that you've ever started this. You will wish that you just, people get the fuck out of your house because you're done. Things will go wrong. Things will happen. Schedules will change. And of course, Renovating in COVID has been uh, an experience. Yeah, challenging. The The challenges are not even consistent. Yeah, it's it's the challenge of the week. So you can never foresee those sort of things. I mean, we've tried to now that we've got a whole whack of things. We're trying to mitigate, you know, the challenges of stuff not coming in on time. So we've actually delayed renovations like two months because we're still waiting on faucets. Yeah. That's the big thing right now is faucets. Nobody has faucets? No. no. What's the reasoning behind I have I still can't wrap my head around it. The brass? Or it might, it's gotta be it's gotta be the metal issue. Really? Yeah. Huh? There's gotta be. I ordered faucets December 9th for a bathroom project. The shower came in last week. We're still waiting on the vanity faucet. Holy cow. The cabinets are usually the longest lead time. The cabinets beat the faucets this time. I really would like to know specifically what it is. Because I just assume after two years, manufacturing... (laughs) Yeah, like like they've adapted. I'm assuming they've adapted. You would like to think that people would have adapted a lot sooner than that. Manufacturing-wise. Yeah. But I guess they haven't, or what's the story? I don't know. We just don't know. Or they had enough raw materials in their stockpiles at the beginning of all of this, and because the level of renovations, I had... It could be metal, because I'm hearing the same thing, that rebar is like, nobody can find rebar. If you can find it, it's quadruple the price or whatever it is. So it's just... Well, it was like the orange stuff last year. Yeah. There's a huge shortage. Yeah, it's just making orange. its way back I now. Drove two hours to go pick up 17 sheets to keep in stock because of the projects we knew we had coming. Wow! And delivered for my contractor. You didn't switch teams and try another product. Nope. No. No. Uh, well, loyalty. He's, he's he's a bit. He's old school. Okay. So love him to death, but he's a pain in the ass. Um, and I know he'll never hear this podcast. <laughs> but, he still has a flip phone. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> He's, and of course, when you're busy, the, your ability to learn new things goes out the window. You don't want to. You don't have time. Yeah. To do it well. And, and he's he's excellent at what he does. He's well-versed in the orange stuff. And he's good at it. And he doesn't want to learn something new. Because, I mean, I've shown him shower pans that are structural. That you literally drop, you take your subfloor out, you put them right on the joist, you block your joist. They're like an inch yep. and I've a quarter. Him. Yeah. Easy peasy. Nope. He doesn't want to touch nope. it. Nope. Yeah. Doesn't have the headspace. So I agree with you. I Old dogs, it's all it is. Uh, but I can respect that. Like yeah. If you know where you're good, we've had a few disagreements. He's, you know, he tries to tell me how to design. And I'm like, yeah, don't tell you how to install your tile. <laughs> 
So don't tell me how to design kitchens. Okay. He, he wants me to put panels on the ends. I'm like, well, if I want fucking panels, I'll go to Ikea. Nah. Like, I'm not putting panels on the ends of runs because you think it's easier or faster. Plus, and there's the space thing. So my clients fight over six inches. I fight over five eights. <laughs> See, I, I, I think the question of if it's easier or it's easier, we, so we should do that. I think that question should just be taken out. I don't think it belongs in construction. That's not a factor in the equation of trying to figure out no. the objective. I don't think it should ever be. No. But no. it is. Yeah, easy is not even I've my, seen in so my many trades suggest, like when you have those group meetings, the huddles, I've always seen trades suggest the easy way of doing things. And I can smell. But, you know, that's a societal thing. Because it when is. my kids were in school... I have, I have kids that were not academically inclined, but I was not going to ever give them the easy route and cut, like, to, to knock down their, instead of a, taking an academic path to go down to applied or general. It's like, no, you, if you only get a 60, I don't give a shit. You've done your academic because you don't close your doors. I had teachers, oh, they should go down to applied. Go pound salt. Like, what the hell is that doing for our kids? Yeah. Because when they hit the real world, no one's going to give them the nope. easy path nope. when it comes time to do their damn job. And that's the problem, is that everybody's been given the easy path. Oh, it can't be competitive. We're not going to keep score. It's like, that's not life. Like, what the hell? <laughs> I'll give you a story. I, I just It clicked in for some weird reason. High school, final year, um, drafting class. Uh, the objective of the year was to create the model. So you've been drawing all year long, your house design, and now you got to build a model. I was the last one getting to every single stage. I got to my model and I started building it. And on the roof section of it, everybody was just grabbing a sheet of sandpaper and spray gluing it on the whole roof. I didn't do that. I actually cut all the sandpaper into strips and I made it look like asphalt shingles and I glued each one individually. And I was, and everyone just looked at me going, you're, you're absolutely loony. Like what's wrong with you? Right. And I just said, look at the roof. Doesn't it look like a roof now instead of a sheet of sandpaper on top of a roof? But mind you, who's the roofing went out in the forties. Exactly. (laughs) Who was the only one in that class? I got an A. There was only one guy. That's all I'm saying. So I'm not saying because of the roof that I created, but I'm just saying that, that detail well, that I didn't do I the easy to, way. I used to bust my kids. It's like stop doing just the minimum. Like yeah. you can't oh you can't skate through life doing just the minimum. Drives me crazy. You'll have a flat line life. Like it would just be yeah. you need the peaks and the valleys. Yeah. You need the lessons learned. Well, and if you don't have the failures, yeah. you don't have the successes. And oh my God, like hand in hand. I yeah. I am really good at failing. <laughs> <laughs> so where do you want to go? I want to uh, definitely we've got to talk about the book. I still want to get, I guess, this whole client. It, it hasn't, but they still have the same problems going on in kitchens. They do. Yeah. But the way I, and it, it's funny because I, I've had issues. Like I, I used to deal with it really poorly too and you've got a client that's upset well the worst thing you can do is make it about you you Mm -hmm. need to make it about them Mm -hmm. and i don't know it's like all of a sudden when i wrote this i identified i identified where clients are coming from and i identified 
that all of those stressors actually exist. So when you when you you pull the cover off, you rip the band-aid off, and you see it for what it is. And then when you put yourself in their shoes and you you understand how they feel, why they feel, and it's nothing personal. It's it's their breaking point. And if you know it's going to happen, then you just you deal with it differently. You deal with it better. You deal with it in a in a much more conducive way. Because there would be times by the time you get to the end of a project, the relationship was destroyed. Oh yeah, for sure. You don't get the referral. You don't get the repeat business. You don't like. So how do you grow a business? If you, every single relationship you have is destroyed in the process, you have to look at how you work with people, how you deal with people, and having that empathy and that understanding made all the difference in the world. Because you've been through it. You understand it. You know where they're coming from. I can only assume the breaking point is past halfway, maybe the last quarter. Often. Often, right? Because, you know, they've, you've, You've tore their house apart six weeks ago. They survived that. They survived it. And things are starting to get finished, but then there's hiccups or there's glitches or there's cost overruns or there's scheduling issues. And I mean, how often or not, like, and I've I've got trades that's like, yeah, I'm building my own house. And it's like, nobody shows up when they're supposed to. (laughs) You know, from a GC, you know, it's the, why you end up with gray hair and a drinking yep. problem because yep. it falls on you. Is it two times when you've got a couple? Is it two times as much tension? Because it depends it's, on the client. Okay. Sometimes you've got the one that, that freaks out earlier versus later and they, they offset each other. Yeah. And sometimes you get the client that they fuel each other. Yep. So what one spins on, the other one spins up, and then it just it just escalates and it goes like off the rails. And then others are you've got one that it takes like moving the earth to rattle them, and yep. then when they do, it's like volcanic. Yep. So it, it's understanding and seeing it, and often find shutting your mouth, just listen and just let them. Let them go. That's big. Like that to me, I think that was the biggest thing is just not owning your mistakes. That's the first thing. It's like if you, if you fuck something up, you own it. Hands just admit down. it. Take it. Yeah, exactly. And that's the hardest part. I think, I think a lot of, especially the newbies coming up, they don't have that, they don't have that foundation. Like I'm a Gen Xer. Yeah. They, you know Why? You can own a mistake, but the clients, if they made the mistake, you can't put the mistake on them and expect them to own that mistake. No. You'll never, ex- you'll never, listen, don't wait Nobody for it. Nobody wins when the, yeah, that happens. It like, doesn't matter. You, you, you don't have the right to bring it up. You don't have the right to hint at it. You just have the right to own the mistake that you made. And then it doesn't matter if there's 10 other mistakes that the clients have made. You can't keep pointing back at them because no. they are paying for this everything. Isn't, this isn't their job. No, exactly. You know, and, and I, I kind of bring that up in the book, too. It's like, if you're reading this book, it's because renovations is not your wheelhouse. No. Chances are you're, whether you're an executive or even if you are blue collar or white collar, it doesn't really matter. But if renovations are not 
your strong suit, then you need to rely on the advice and the and the skills of others. But that's hard for like. Well, you're talking about your single largest asset. I know, but clients, based on their internet research, well, yes, then there's the Google warriors. Then there's the four-letter word and for I TV. And I talk about that, actually. Yeah, so it's great that you talk about that because they feel that they're just as educated as the professionals that they've hired, which is far from that. Exactly. exactly. So they're professionals for a reason. Like, I've gone... Well, and I talk about the DIY aspect because... You think you can do, you can watch a YouTube video, you can watch, a, you know, you Google search something and you're going to get a plethora of information, but it's your first time doing it. Your contractor or, or the trade that you've relied on, it's their 7,000th time of doing that. Who do you think is going to be better, faster, quicker, more efficient? <laughs> I was just going to say, I can watch parkour. On YouTube, but well, I ain't going to do it. I'm sorry, no. I won't. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> I, no, no. I could think I can jump from this building to that building and yeah. grab that, but no, I'm not going to try it. But clients need to understand, sure, just the same way that you've hired, I don't know who else you're hiring in your professional life. Well, it's the tools. Like, yeah. And I know you had the conversation about the, the tool, you know, buying the fanciest tool and something yeah, like that. Yeah, whether that you makes you... You still need to know how to use it. Exactly. And I'm a tool junkie. What tool? Oh, I've got them all. <laughs> what, every I color? Just, I just bought a scroll saw. Really? <laughs> I did. Which one? A dual one? No, it's uh, King, I think. Oh, yeah, okay. King Canada. Yeah. 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 I, have, uh, I have a Bosch compound minder saw. What, 10 or 12? 10. A 10 inch? Yeah. Rails or the axial? The little knuckle arm kind of thing in the back? Uh, That's no, my it's got favorite. the rails. It's got the rails, yeah. yeah. I had the rails. I upgraded to the actual glide one. Uh, okay. I prefer the 10 over the 12. That's just me. But uh, what do you have for a table saw? I don't have a table you saw. That's do you have a track next. saw? No. Wait till you get a track saw. Your whole world will just change. Yeah. Will just change. And in all fairness, I mean, I've got a Bosch one. Festool's great. Makita's great. I mean, I think all of them are great track saws. Right, but it's a game changer tool. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, and I bought uh, I bought a Dewalt router. Okay. Um, I was gonna go Bosch. Half or a quarter inch shank. Half. No, so quarter. No, quarter sorry, inch. Quarter. Okay. All right. And uh, it's funny because I do um, I have a lighting system that I use because lighting is huge and people undervalue lighting. hundred like, percent. Oh my god. Yeah. It's almost as bad as air. But also people abuse lighting. Too much lighting. Well, and we, we can have this conversation about what <laughs> the contractor go-to for lighting is. Yeah. The, the formula, the oh. ratios of how it should no, be. No, no, just their fixture. Just the, oh, the type of. That oh, horrible. I, get rid of that pancake-looking crappy. Dot yeah, I can't stand oh, it. Thank you. I hate it when it introduced to the market and every electrician I spoke to was like, look at this. It's amazing. I go, it's amazing for you to install it. It's easy. And basically, what did I say about easy? Easy doesn't apply. Ever. Exactly. The worst I can't stand it. Ever. I know. And of course, my science side starts investigating. And so I, and I've actually gone toe to toe with a lighting designer because there's two methods of lighting a kitchen. Most lighting designers want to light a room uniformly. Mm -hmm. So they place your kitchen lighting. 30 to 33 to 36 inches away from the wall. I disagree. So with you are standing in your shadow. I so then this is, and exactly. I this is why yeah. I fight with them. I, fight I all place the time. my lights 
22 inches. Now I've had, I've, I've negotiated with my electrician. He likes 26 because he said, then he said, if you're at 26, it'll shine into your drawers. I'm like, good point. So let's go 24. So I'll compromise. So we go between 23 to but 25. But it's not 36. 36 is, it's right That's over terrible. Your, it's you're over literally, your head. You're lighting the top of your head and, and you're, you're standing creating in your shower. what's known in the film business, a barn door for the countertop. But what they're counting on is that your under cabinet lighting is what makes up the difference. But when are you using your under cabinet lighting? Well, it means you have to. But the problem is, is that I haven't done a light balance in 10 years. Nobody does. Nor will I ever. I raised the bottom shelf of my cabinets an inch and I can hide any LED lighting in there. The challenge with slimline LED lighting is, and I've until I recently found another manufacturer, you have very limited options of the amount of lumens that you have that light the space. You need a minimum amount of illumination to have safe task lighting, to do detailed work, cutting, chopping, measuring, all of that stuff. Kitchen, functionality. Yeah. Remember that? Number one, <laughs> checkbox on the list. It has to function. function. Otherwise, you're fired. Yeah, it's not an Uber Eats kitchen. No, okay. no. <laughs> so when you don't have enough light, and I, in my opinion, there's never too much light. That's no. why they have not dimmers. In a yeah. That's why they have dimmers. So if you, ma- and it's not something you're going to redo. So do it all and then dim it. If you don't need it, like if mom comes over and mom's 75 and she wants to make her, her famous recipe, you can turn your lights up for mom so she can see. I can't get over how many time, time and time and time again, that it's like every single layer of lighting in a kitchen has the value and the functionality. Other rooms, put your glowing discs of light. But when you look at the, the photo metrics, and this is the actual calculation of light as you move away because you so lumens are measured at the source yep. so at the lamp as soon as you step away from the lamp you start to lose percentages yep. of your light a good quality light by the time it hits the counter in an eight foot ceiling so you're f- five feet away if you've lost more than 15 percent you got a problem of the lumen count of that original light Those source glowing discs are serving no purpose. You're lucky if you've got 20% of your light actually yep. hitting your surface. That's the problem. People forget that on a minimum eight foot ceiling, yeah, it's five feet rare. before it actually hits the surface yeah. for the functionality of what you yeah. need that light for. And there's no reason why you should be having a supplementary light like the under cabinet to compensate for the missing light exposure. Yeah. That's where you start figuring out now, lighting. When you, when you look at illuminating a room, and especially in a kitchen, if you just do lighting over the countertops with your under cabinet lighting, then you, you have to also account for light in the middle of the room because your eye will, uh, like, and it'll be um, unconscious, but your eye will pick up the dark spots. Of course. And then your eye fights for balance. Yep. So you have, to, you have to put a couple center room light so that you've got an even uh, as even as possible but functionality is first and then you worry about the balance afterwards pendant lighting like all these lovely beautiful pendants that's the biggest question with pendants whenever you have a conversation with a client what height do you put the pendant on 
Depends. Husband's 6'4", wife is 5'5". Five five. Yeah. It, it's got to be above him. But there you sacrifice actual light getting to the surface. That's the question. I put pot lights in between. You put pot lights in between the pendants? Yep. To supplement? Yep. Oh, when it's critical. That. Yeah. When it's critical. Now, how far away are you putting pendants? Well, it depends. So, like, I've just got, I've got a kitchen right now. We have a 148-inch island. Like, it's massive. Wow. I have three pendants. Almost 12 feet. Yeah. Four feet wide? Over 12 feet. Wow. Yeah, no, no, no. and it's double cabinets. Yeah. It's massive. So we're going to have a scene. So, how many pendants are you going to put I on that? I have three pendants. Okay. So, dep- again, I'm not even sure what she's picked yet. Um, it's it's a Victorian mansion, so it's it's... We've got nine foot ceilings. We've got windows, like 84 inch windows. Um, so the natural daylight is good. It is. But the night. Well, we live in Canada and it gets dark at four o'clock in, the, in December. So not these days. It's actually been pretty good. It's, I'm starting. I'm waiting for June. Yeah. Where it's yeah. going to be like 10 o'clock and still bright. Yeah, which exactly. is great. Yeah. But you have to worry about lighting in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. So you have to make sure three pendants, again, depending on what size they go with. Uh, I mean, I'm hoping a decent enough scale to make the scale of the island and the, the height of the ceiling and all of that. But I've got two pendant, two pot lights in between each pendant, like a pot light in between. I like that. That makes sense. But then I get frustrated with clients that choose a beautiful pendant and then they go with the decorative light bulb that has no lumens whatsoever. Yeah. Other than it just ambiance. It's just photo. <laughs> it's photogenic. Yeah. I'm like, I don't need to photograph a light bulb. I need a light bulb to serve the purpose of what? Let me guess. Light? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I just, it just is constant well, and, battle. And pendants are, they're a tough one because most of the time the light quality is trash. Yeah. And uh, don't even want to talk about vanity lighting. Like, I don't know what's wrong with the lighting industry. Like the fixture creators have you looked at vanity lighting? It hasn't changed in 50 years. The, the vanity lighting, which frustrates me, is doesn't serve the purpose of what it's supposed to be doing. And I go back to old school, old Hollywood, old film noir. There was a reason why there were so many bulbs around those mirrors yep. when actresses were looking at themselves in the, in the mirror. Because you, exactly. It just illuminated the face perfectly. Okay, So here's here's a really cool concept. Get a gimbaled pot light yeah. placed appropriately away from the mirror yep. and you gimbal it down so that you have the angle of incidence equals the angle of reflection yep. and it reflects back on your And face. it will work. And it works beautifully. Yeah, that will work. People forget that you can times it by two. Yeah. It's a reflective surface. So if you shoot a light into it. But it also gets rid of wall acne. Yeah. And all of the busyness of vanity lights which are antiquated yeah or if you don't have the room for the sconces like because you want you want facial lighting and it doesn't matter what age you are you need facial lighting so something coming from above doesn't give that nope so you have to you either you're stuck with wall sconces but functional wall sconces so you have to figure out are they serving the purpose of what you need them for? There's a wall sconce that's designed for, I guess, fireplace mantles or hallway pictures or something yeah. like that. That's that's those are not vanity lights. No. no. Vanity lights have a purpose behind them. Yeah. And Ketra came out with they actually did this in their Lutron home when I was at Cedia. And when I first and that's where I first saw this. So 
and, and Ketra lighting is, I, I really hope it becomes more mainstream pricing because right now it's, it's very expensive. Elite. It's okay. elite pricing. Yeah. But its capabilities are mind-blowing. Like the, the color temperature thing, every time I walk by my neighbor and they've got all these different bulbs and they're all different color oh, temperatures. So oh, it just... Drives me crazy. Just I want to make, go and buy a box of light bulbs and drop them off. Pick all the same color temperature. Yeah. But the beauty with Ketra is that it changes color temperatures. You can adjust it? You can adjust it. Oh, that's where the expensive is. It's very expensive. Mm. And But you can create scenes. And uh, like there's, there's phys- physiological health benefits to the color temperature of lighting. Like it... it impacts sleep it impacts how your yep. mood and your feel yep. and your serotonin and all of those chemical levels that happen in our bodies and but they had in their lutron experience home they had the lighting that shot the vanity so there was no wall lighting but you could stand at the mirror and have perfect illumination and that's where it hit me it's like okay i need to figure out how to do this i can't yep. do it with ketra because yeah. most of my clients don't have that kind of budget and again, lighting gets such a bad rap. It's like the last budget item, but and it, it always it takes the biggest the biggest hit. And you're dealing with tradespeople that are so set in their ways on how they position I lights. I fight with my contractor, and I he can't stand. It's always it's always a discussion. Doesn't like my light. It's always a discussion. I tell people, if you want to get a better understanding of lighting in any room application, just go back to your basics of playing pool. Mm. just look at angles just pay attention to how that works and if you are a really good pool player you'll understand it really well on where do you want certain balls to go so that's the same thing with lighting you have to figure out that what's the purpose of the light to begin with right and then you have to start breaking it down from that point and color temperature you're right there's so many there's so many variables with lighting i mean you've got beam angle you've got color temperature you've got Blah, blah, like you've got lumens and it's not you just don't walk to the store and go to the lighting section and pick up a light bulb like it's not like that anymore there's back in the incandescent days it's understanding what all of that means and it it's not from a consumer perspective it's not easy when you're having your your lighting updated during a renovation it makes a huge difference yeah. on what your trades are like electricians they have their go-to's Love them dearly. Couldn't live without them, but their lighting choices suck. Suck. <laughs> like the glowing discs of light in the ceiling. Suck. Let it go, guys. And, and I'm just gonna tell. I don't know who's responsible. If it's the homeowners or if it's the electricians. If I see more than thirty soffit lights in the perimeter of a house, I'm gonna shoot you. It just doesn't. There's a the soffit lighting. Yeah. There's a point to it. Most of the time, you want to look at the corners. You want to try to figure out where it's going to cascade. You don't want to put because you got a bargain at getting 30 units at Home Depot, and now you just want to cut out this off and yeah. pop the light in and have 15000 and expect the plane to land. Well, and like, I know the the big thing with the kitchen lighting and putting the light at the 22 inches. Yeah. Oh, the cone of light on the cabinets. I'm like, get over it. What What's the purpose of a kitchen if it's not function? Function. And... Okay, so you got a cone of light on your cabinets. And? what? Where's their answer if there's no uppers and it's just floating shelves? Is it still positioned in the same spot that they want it? I would, because it needs to hit the countertop. No, I mean theirs at 36. Oh. Would it still be at 36 at that point, or would they move well, it in closer? it's funny. I, I had a, a meeting with a client a month or two ago, and 
this house was built by a, a good builder. They're no, they're no longer building, but they were a renowned builder in the Ottawa area. I'm looking at this house eight years ago. It was built. There is no under cabinet lighting. Okay. The kitchen lighting around the kitchen is that 36 inches away from the walls. Okay. And I'm like, how dark, dark countertop. I, I couldn't even wrap my head around how this family has functioned in this kitchen. Mm. Like ever. They're probably turning on all the lights. Or they, they work on the one spot on the island because there is a light over the island. And wow. that's the only place that they can actually function. And this is a new, I guess, a new this house, is new kid. Eight year old home. Eight years. I mean, the people were still That's doing interesting. Not 12, 13 years ago, I did a mirror in a front foyer and I wanted it backlit. They didn't have strip lighting back then. So I took two fluorescent tubes and I just put it and you turn on the light, connected it to the main light. So you have a glow around the mirror. And that's what I did. And yeah. it's just funny that it still works to this day, but they're floral tubes. It's going to eventually have to get changed. But I was already thinking about lighting that way, way back then. Yeah. That's when you should be thinking about it. And you're well, right about the health factor. You look at Roby House, which is designed by Frank Lloyd Wright, which yeah. was built in 1910 in Chicago. The same thing. His lighting design is amazing. Yeah. And there was like indoor lighting was new. <laughs> and you look at his perspective. I don't know why it's so... Yeah, we've got LED, but I don't know why it's such a difficult concept to know. create decent lighting but you think that they would because electricians are so accustomed to uh the cassetta you know what i mean where the the, the, the switches right from um, so all the wireless switches that, mm. so i could park one here i could park one there i could park this and do this control and you got the wall acne going I, on. I know but it's like bad. they're so focused on that but they're forgetting about the functionality of the lighting That's something else that people also need to be aware of that when you are selecting various fixtures and lamps and bulbs and all of those things that your switches are compatible with your fixtures yeah and people forget that so like if you want a dimmable or if you even if you don't want a dimmable like we do um under cabinet lighting and i make sure that i have a list of compatible switches that i make sure that the electricians are reading that so that they because that's where you have a breakdown yeah. of, of functionality yeah. That's where you get flickers. That's where you get that annoying hum. That's yep. you don't get the full dim capacity because they're not compatible. So when you're dealing with all this technology and and technology is taking over lighting, if you don't blend your technology and make sure it's compatible, that's where you have issues. Is the golden rule in a kitchen? Because this goes towards the compatibility of lighting and everything like that. Are you? always going towards compatibility of all appliances or are you mix matching brands with appliances? Most of them, most of them, it doesn't matter if you mix match. Because you uh, go with Wolf's stove, you know, and then you can choose a Mealy uh, dishwasher. I mean. But if you go panel ready, it doesn't matter. You can't even At tell. that point, except for the range. The range is the only thing that will no, not exactly. be. No, yeah. exactly. So that's the only thing that's visible. As a matter of fact, I... The, the one Victorian house I, I mentioned, we've got a Wolf range, we've got a Mila dishwasher, and we've got a Fisher and Peichel fridge, yeah, so freezer. You're, you're, you're mixing and matching everything. But the fridge and freezer and the dishwasher are all paneled. So you won't even tell what brand they are. Yeah. And we're putting on hardware or appliance pulls, so the hardware is going to be consistent. The only thing that will have a different pull on it is the range, and it, it's a Wolf. That so. yeah, doesn't matter. Wolf can have a spotlight, you know, 
sets. Yeah. Knob. Well, that's what Wolf wants anyway. Exactly. They want everybody to be panel. But they do come with two sets of knobs. You can put the I red ones on or the black ones. I know that the red ones are ones. more expensive than the black ones, right? Or well, is it the other way around? Both. Oh, they each unit comes with, so you can you choose. Can pick. Me personally, I probably choose black, but I don't know. Oh, red. Really? I want people to know it's a damn that wolf. It's a wolf. <laughs> How would it not know it's a wolf? It actually says wolf right in the center there between all the knobs. Yeah. Right? Unless you take off that thing. But yeah, no. <laughs> When's the book coming out? When are you going to finally get it out I'm to market? I'm hoping in the next four to six weeks. Oh, that close, huh? Yeah. Okay. And how can, how can people get to the book? So it will be, uh, it'll be available on Freezing Press for sure. Okay. Um, and they're... Um, I think their printer is Ingram. Okay. So it'll be available through those methods. I'll have it all on my website. So when there'll be links and whatnot. You'll announce it on social. Let them know that yeah. it's out. Yeah, you can go and launch. order it. What are you um, selling the book for? I don't know yet. Oh, well, you haven't still had decide that conversation that? Okay. with the publisher. Right. So I want it affordable, but it's packed full of really great resources and information. And there's a whole section at the back that's uh, that lists every single resource, like every appliance website, every everything, so that you can, I mean, you can't click on it, but if you, you know, you, you have access to seeing where all those resources came from. Got it. Um, and then I put in a checklist at the back for appliances on what to nice. look for and... Because you need, in order to start your kitchen, your first homework is picking your appliances. Yeah. Because the appliances impact the design and the configuration of a kitchen and what you can do yep. based on what you want for appliances. So that's the first level. And then there's a couple of you know little handy checklists that kind of walk you through it. But is it worth making an ebook version of it so then you can have all those links? So it will. There will be three three versions. It'll be a digital. Okay. There will be a paperback and then hardcover. Okay. And eventually I might an audiobook. Oh, an audiobook of it. So oh, nice. but the audiobook is will kind of get lost because there's I think there's hundred and eighty seven images in this book. So you'll have to reference the images and then go to the website, yeah. I guess, to look at yeah. it to read. Yeah, so kind of an ebook would make sense. Yeah, I think an ebook will be you know, I don't know. I'm still old fashioned when it comes to books. I there's something about oh, I agree with holding you, 100%. it, and like it's funny when I when I got the the uh, the edit version, and it's you know not the same print quality, the final one, but it was like holding this yeah. was like like it's <laughs> it's my baby, it, the accomplishment. Yeah, it's like it's real. It would be nice that if a lot of tradespeople and designers and architects actually wrote more books to share to the industry, but I guess because this is a whole this is a second job. Oh yeah, it's, right? it's been a long, long journey, but I just I I can't help but feel it. And people have this this misconception that what they see on it. And I mean, I love HG. I don't. I I do. I I I enjoy it. Some of I'm looking for the at entertainment some of, the of it or the education of it. Sometimes you learn something new, but sometimes you see something new and inspiring or somebody's take on things. Maybe that's more the, the design element side of it. So the des not the science side of me, no. Because then I look and I'm like, you're fucking out of your mind. Like the, It's like, where the hell did that come from? Like in two weeks time, like you can just pull that out of your ass. Like there's that part of things that it was so unrealistic, but there are other parts that I do enjoy. I, I don't know. Weird like that. Agree to disagree. It's... <laughs> Yeah, and it, I mean, the problem is, is that the average consumer has this conception 
of what a renovation is. From that. And from that, absolutely, which I know frustrates the entire industry yep. beyond. So I can respect that. And I actually, you know, I, I pinpoint that because, so I have these things in here called inside facts. Okay. So I, I share little tips of things that from a trade to trade person, like how many times have you ever seen somebody that laid tile over linoleum? Not once, and I wouldn't allow it. You wouldn't allow it, but how many times have you come into a situation where it's been done? Oh, it's done? been done before, oh, several times. Yeah. Yeah. And all the tiles cracked. and like, Yeah. So I, t- I talk about, you can buy the cheapest tile, install it 99% to, to specs and standards, it will last a lifetime. Uh, that's 100% true. You can spend true. 10 times that on tile. Install it poorly, it will guarantee fail. Yeah, of course. So it's it's ninety nine percent installation. Yep. It doesn't matter necessarily the if quality you, if you of buy the tile. A, a five dollar square yeah. foot tile or a fifty dollar square if foot it's tile. Installed. If it's installed like crap, yep. it will fail. That's it. So that's the bottom line. And that's what I you know it's tips like that that I share. The big thing about hiring electricians, you you, you gotta you gotta have the sparkies on your site. You know, as a homeowner. First of all, wiring scares the shit out of me, like personally. Yeah. But they got to be on your side as if it's got to be part of the team, not the team leader. I'm not saying that electricians are not team leaders. I think they're part of the team. Absolutely. So I find a lot of electricians want to be the leader. And I'm like, "Mm, I want to use you you for your skills. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So contribute to the overall idea. And here you go. Are we seeing a resurgence of natural stone tops? Because I personally, I'm digging natural stone tops these days. I I've seen too many faults. Have the conversation with man-made. Yeah. Caesar stone has dropped the ball, in my opinion. I've seen a lot of faults. I'm not a huge fan of the quartzes. I've always loved granite. That lovely four-letter television exposure that we were talking about. They, for whatever reason, they have been shitting on natural stone left and right for the last why? few years. Oh, oh, hang por- on a sec. I know why. Because they're clueless. <laughs> so there is a wonderful website that, so there's a... Uh, uh, they should travel importer. to Europe. There's an importer in my city and the owner is amazing. And he said, go to this website and it's, again, it's feeds my science nerd side but it's usednaturalstone.org used usednaturalstone.org are you going to tell me that on that website there's a way to fix and repair and get rid of any kind of but no but you know what they do what they do comparisons they talk about natural stone the attributes they did a there's a whole article in there on a comparison base of a light and dark granite a light and dark quartz a porcelain and a concrete and they ran through a whole battery of tests mm. scratch heat staining everybody thinks quartz is bulletproof bullshit it's nasty bullshit stuff. take a it's torch not. to it take a torch to it i challenge any plumber well my take a very torch to very it. first kitchen i had specified a brand of quartz and i will never ever i've never next to a them. gas range well, no. So the fabricator comes out to template. This is my very first kitchen as, as a professional. Okay. Hands my client a disclaimer. Sign it. 
that was basically stating anything that generated heat could discolor this countertop. And my clients were like, I don't want this shit. They canceled the order. And it was a shit storm. But honest to God, and I've never used that company, nor will I ever specify it. So I have a client, if I have a client that wants it, I don't do the But job. they want it for the marketing purposes yeah, behind it. Really that it's, it's indestructible and but it's, it's never going to stain. And I'm like, it's all bullshit. That's why that article? The sheen, the color... Yeah. You, you try to, uh, I've always said, that's why I've got, I've got such a love for natural stones, you can't, specifically granites, you, marbles. I love you marbles. Can't replicate. I don't care if you spill wine on it. I don't care if you spill coffee on it. I've been taught and I've been educated that any natural stone out there yeah. can be repaired, fixed, the stain, Even all of that. Even if it stains, eventually oh, that stain will leave. Man-made products, you can. And then that's why... I guess here in North America, I don't know how it is. Oh, well, I'm going to say Canada. I don't know how it is in the U.S. Porcelain never really took off. No, and, not yet. Well, I, I don't know if porcelain's... It won't, right? Because I learned something from talking to Todd over at TT Mac, where he was saying that the manufacturing process, China is the one that brought porcelain into the market. We all assumed that it was Italians. It wasn't, right? Uh, okay. It was China. And they don't care about how to fix the problem if there is a problem and there were lots of problems they just care about creating a product that's thinner cheaper faster and it just created problems and they made it look like natural stone and then you go back to natural stone you're like i'd rather have that then you go to europe you travel and you see natural stone and there's there's a romance of having something that came out of the ground that looks that spectacular nobody else has that no. In a porcelain because or not quartz. not a single sheet yep. is exactly the same. Exactly. And, yeah. That vein, that fissure, that whatever, that's unique to your home. Yeah. It came from halfway around the world, and it's unique to your home. So if the four-letter TV station is saying it's porous and all this other crap, and I'm like, what about your well, hardwood? What about your drywall? What so about your carpet? There's there's a, a company at the show that's that has soapstone, and they were saying, well, it's not porous. And I said, well... Because they were downgrading granite. And I'm like, you know, come on, people. You've got to educate people. You can't just give your opinion. Yeah. Opinion's not like every... Anyway, won't go there. <laughs> that said... I'll go there. There is a proprietary product that can be placed on your granite countertops at the fabrication stage. It takes 24 hours for it to set and dry and all that stuff. But it's a 15-year guarantee. Wow. 15 years. Look at that. Now what's your argument about granite being high maintenance? And really, there isn't. how complicated is it to wipe down your countertop with a sealant once every 12 months? It's difficult for people to do that. I know. So hard. It's but difficult. the beauty is... is but educating clients them. on leathering natural stones. Well, and I leather everything now. Right? So, And actually, leathering helps kind of seal it a bit well because what you're doing is you're also exposing so when you leather you get texture yes you get the matte finish so now you've also there's tenfold so you've now got a surface that is more forgiving yes you now have a matte surface which is quieter because there's so much noise in our day-to-day lives you've reduced glare you've reduced reflection yep and you've enhanced the natural beauty of that material 
I have a, uh, a kitchen that we just finished. It actually hit the citizen a couple weeks ago in, in Ottawa, and they shared a great picture of it. It's a Sedna granite with a beautiful copper undertones with copper and cream and black, and we had it leathered. And it's beautiful. Right? I had to talk the clients into the leathering. It's they were beautiful. like, oh, I don't know, because everybody wants shiny. No, man. Leathering is so they beautiful. They thanked looking. me. Yeah. Afterwards. Leathering is like a nice aged leather jacket or like a aged pair of boots or it's just there's 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 yeah spectacular and and back to the indestructible because i i think i've mentioned this before on the show i've taken a blowtorch a yellow blowtorch propane because i was asked to for an experiment six mil porcelain 12 mil porcelain quartz marble and granite six mil porcelain exploded beyond the room shards everywhere within seconds wow the 12 mil same thing a little bit longer shards like glass everywhere the quartz caught on fire like it ignited because of all the resins in it wow right the marble cracked did not discolor was easy to wipe off the burn marks on it but it cracked okay the granite Absolutely nothing. nothing. Not Not, I left that on 10 times longer than everything else, and it did nothing to the granite. Yeah. Well, That's why I'm sold. I'm sold on that, yeah. natural and, stones. And if you don't like, I think the biggest thing that people get hung up on granite is it's busy. Well, you know what? There are granites out there you that just aren't. Have, you have to find and them. And like, look at quartzite. Yeah. There are some spectacular quartzites then there's the petrified wood well and then there's dolomite yeah so dolomite is like i we just picked a a beautiful three slabs of dolomite for my victorian project i can't help but hear that name and think of dynamite you know dolomite but lactation oh my god (laughs) the 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 coloring in this it's beautiful yeah. And How it can't be recreated in a porcelain or in a quartz, and it no. can't. And, and just like, <sighs> I'd rather have that. That's just me. So it's yeah. funny that you're saying that the four-letter yeah. TV station yeah. there. No. It's, and and uh, the public, the general public is, everybody wants quartz. That's what they, when they come out of the gate, until I educate them and give them options, they all say, oh, yeah, yeah, we want quartz. We want quartz. And I'm like, do you? Do you really? Are they asking for quartz? They are. Because, okay, so if you're watching the TV show and they're telling you, let's do quartz, let's do quartz, and they cut to a commercial, do they cut to a commercial quartz? I don't know. (laughs) I'm just assuming that they might. I don't have television, so. (laughs) (laughs) I'm assuming. Yeah, I I don't know. There might be more marketing dollars behind quartz and porcelain versus granites or marbles. We won't even get into the whole media coverage over the last two years because I have lost total and utter faith on the media that's being fed to us as, as Canadians. Oh, you mean in general, just the political, because we, anybody who understands. You used to be able to trust that what you were being told was somewhat real. And now it's complete and utter fabricated bullshit. I know that's a different whole other, that's a whole other podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, congrats so much on the book because that, that's a huge accomplishment. And I definitely think that the industry needs that. I, that's what I felt. I really felt that. And there's two more books following this. There's one one more coming. Okay. Um, So as I said, the introduction to the, to the book is 
just general renovation and some renovation advice and whether you should or shouldn't. What's a good reason why you shouldn't? If you can't handle chaos. Don't. Don't. That's a good question. You know, answer. if your house can't withstand the value of the renovation. That's a good point too. Don't. Because unless you're spending the next 20 years there. You know, like if you're going to do a $100,000 renovation, you've got 20 years for the value to, to enjoy to, it, to see it, plus enjoy it. Yeah. If you're looking at five years, no. No, there's no sense in no, it. No, you, you have to rate, you have to gauge your renovation value on the value of the home, how much equity you have, and I, and I have all of that ROI in there. The second portion is on bathrooms. Okay. So I deep dive into what's involved in a bathroom renovation. People freak out when they find out that an average bathroom renovation starts at 15K. That's bare minimum. It's start. And that's, yeah. I mean, like it starts. And that's just, that's like re and re. But there's people out there that are selling themselves at seven, if not 5K to do a bathroom. Yeah. Which I don't understand. I don't know what What's doing. going on there. If it's waterproof or what's going on. Well, and are they using the proprietary systems that, that make that bathroom lifetime? I mean, a bath fitter kit, someone told me once, was like 3500 bucks just to do a bath fitter kit, just for tubs, showers yeah. around. I mean, I did my bathroom at cost. Cost. So being in the trades, I can get my faucets and my cabinets Discounted. and everything yeah. at wholesale. Yeah. And I think I spent nine grand. And I did all the work myself. So factor that in for a client. Easily, that's a twenty, twenty-one thousand dollar bathroom. Easy. Easily. Easy. Right. So. And I bought I bought the shower kit at Costco because the doors, the beautiful glass sliding doors, were cheaper to buy the kit. Even if I threw the base out, were cheaper to buy it that way than custom. But I didn't have. I was I didn't have a bigger size that I needed yeah. more size so that sixty inch doors worked, but yeah, I'm on this kick now. I don't want doors on showers anymore. Well, and we're going into the whole barrier free. Yeah, like the curbs and are gone. They've been gone since day one. But I still struggle with my contractor to get rid of curbs. He says, yeah. He says if they don't take care of their drain and it starts to overflow, who do they call? It's going to start to overflow anyway. So if you've got a curb there, what's it going to overflow? It just figures that extra inch of... Yeah. Curb, curbless showers should always be a must. And I, I think that heated floors should just be a must. Oh, and they should go into the shower as well. Yeah. And I think now heated walls should be a must. I think it's just a natural. And I think that doors, bye-bye. Because I've never been a fan of the hinges of glass doors. They're always huge. They're very difficult to get it into different finishes that match your fixtures. Right. Yeah. Other than if it's polished chrome, but I'm not a fan of polished chrome. Most clients choose polished chrome because it is the bottom. Well, and it's cheaper. It's cheaper. So then it's the hinges that I'm not a fan of. And then all of a sudden, I know we had that trend with the, the, the sliding doors and Flurco and everything like that. And it, then the wheels started getting too big for me. I was looking at the wheels and I'm like, it's almost like a four by four wheel well, there. And the problem with the sliding doors is you lose, you lose space because... In the opening. Yeah, yeah. They, they don't they don't roll over each other completely. No. no. So there's a bunch of things that I'm just looking at and you try the to evolve. The biggest thing and the, the the first fight that I ever had with with a plumber was you have your shower head on one wall, put your valves where the opening is. Yeah. Reach and in. I don't care if it's opposite, 
but they were like, you want a what? And now it's much more acceptable. 15 years later, they're finally like, yep, sure, no problem. But I, I would fight toe to toe with I, a plumber. I go even further because I am a fan of Kohler's DTV system. And I'll put a secondary DTV control panel at the sink. Mm. So when you get into the bathroom, you turn on the shower, start heating it up. Nice. And you have the first one already inside the shower, but the water's already going, everything's going. So you can turn it on and off from outside the shower. Because yeah. I always tell the clients like yourself that you got to put it in so you can reach it. The point is there's no sense on getting it to the other side because as soon as you turn it on, guess what? You're going to get hit with cold water yeah. that's been sitting in the Who pipe. Who wants the to climb into a shower Nobody and wants run to. the risk? Nobody wants that. I'm not going to get burned, but it, the cold it's blast. Just the cold, and I mean, cold yeah. therapy still haven't embraced that sure if you're gonna do that it's fine but it, that, that's not the purpose of it's it not the way you're I, 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 it's not an expensive item but i like that that's going on i also like are you gonna dive into the next book or even this book about so and then, home I get automation? Into then i get into well yes and the home automation is coming in the next okay one. so the next book is on and, and i've identified seven elements of wellness that reflect in the residential home environment okay um, you're going to ask me to list them, aren't you? I'm not going to ask them. Uh, you, you brought them up. The, um, <laughs> there are others. Okay. Like there are like, I think Linda's I, maybe I, mentioned them before. So I don't remember. Color, them all. Yes. Uh, lighting, light. There is air quality. Yes. Water biophilia. Yeah. Which is not just putting plants in the space. Certain plants do certain things. Acoustics. Acoustics. Huge. Yeah. And what's the seventh? You have to think about that. Anyways. It's got to um, be sleepy or bashful. I can't remember which one it is. <laughs> but I mean, I, I want homeowners to understand something that everyone's always kind of pushing oh, yeah, towards automation. home automation. So but homeowners are always pushing towards spray foam. Like a lot of them will choose. Or even builders, a lot of them will choose spray foam. There's a lot of benefits to spray foam. There's a lot of benefits, but there's there was one major drawback to spray foam. It, it is the seems. worst sound. You will oh, create, okay. um, you'll hear outside. If your full wall oh, I cavity didn't, I didn't know that. Is, is full of foam, you are going to hear outside. You will hear somebody on the other side of a brick wall talking. You will hear them. So I've always done the hybrid system where it's a flash of foam, and then you yeah. put either your bat you or something. You do a couple, like an inch? Yes. So that you've got... Your seal. You've got your seal. Your va your you've got... Exactly. Yeah, and that tightens everything yeah. up big But then time. you're using the bat for your sound absorption. Well, and it's funny because early in my career... so. I started off uh, in the kitchen and bath industry working with the home hardware. And I had a great mentor that, that brought me through. And then I discovered National Kitchen and Bath Association. Yeah. And I started on my training and I've done my certification. I literally just wrote my CKBD exam last week. Wow. It's a 72-hour time frame that Holy you have cow. to produce in, an entire solution for a kitchen and a bathroom. And How would that go? Long ass weekend. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. it was a really long three days. That said, it's done. It's behind me, and fingers crossed that this time it will be successful because I've done it before. But yeah. it's good it, for you. Yeah. yeah, it's like damn it, I'm going to get this. Come out. I mean, I wrote my well AP exam last year, and it was the most brutal exam I've ever written. That's tough, huh? It was. You need to know a hundred features inside out, upside down, and backwards. Holy cow, really, huh? Yeah, and it's technical. Like, it's nerdy. and uh, But such a learning experience. Like, you you just, you get it mm -hmm. when you when you look into the those features. Which is 
so my whole trip to Cedia, my my exposure to like words like biophilia and circadian rhythm and all of these things, and and then experiencing the lighting from the Ketra and the Lutron booth, and then I found a another manufacturer. I think they're called Kinetics that has these amazing furring channels and whatnot that help with acoustics and that whole sound attenuation yep. and like brilliant. And early in my career. I did a, um, a a home theater room in I a basement. I built two of them, and the the homeowner didn't want to hear anything upstairs. So I had to research and actually, I'm trying to remember the organization. It's in it's in Ottawa, but the um, national is it National Research Council? I th- the yeah the NRC has okay. some of the most profound documentation. Um, and research on sound transmission in all of the world. Yeah. Because even the U.S. guys were uh, were impressed with our I'm research. I'm trying to get this sound engineer on the show. Fascinating. Because it is a fascinating... I built, when I said movie theaters, I didn't... I built uh, two home movie theaters, but I've built two professional mixing theaters. Okay. That's where I learned a lot about sound and transmission. Well... And it's not so much the products as much as we go back to the installation. Yes. It's the application of the installation that considers a sound room. And it's one of the number one things that people complain about in a work environment. Of course. Is sound. Yeah. And everybody wants open concept and no walls. And no, people need privacy. They need to feel confident having a conversation. And And I think through the whole pandemic, everybody became grossly aware of how open concept homes so. are not a conducive <laughs> environment for multiple people on Zoom meetings. No, no. And, you know, God help us, we're all Zoomed out. But there is a very, it's funny, there's a there's a booth at the show that has these, it's a kind of a feature that they've done. I said, you could do acoustic panels in this. They recycle chopsticks. Really? They recycle. So in, it started off in Vancouver. They actually collect a ton, literally a ton. Of chopsticks. Of chopsticks and turn it into furniture and acoustic panels and brilliant. What, do they compress movies. them or are they, how do they? I am not sure what the what, what they do for okay. the process, but it's interesting. It's pretty amazing. So you figure all of that material that's been saved from yeah. the landfill and yeah. they're repurposing it into something pretty that's pretty smart i want to try to find if you could try to find it and let me know about it i'd like to find out about that company and, and just inquire about it yeah uh, so they're just starting up in toronto okay um they have there's a manufacturing plant in montreal as well as vancouver calgary and the one here in toronto i think is actually in peterborough but utterly brilliant concept like I thought it was, um, and that goes towards the whole wellness thing of your home. Exactly. So it's the whole sustainability. It deals with the whole climate change. Not that there's anything we can do in Canada that's actually going to globally impact climate change. It, you know, we're we have the potential we're too small. to. We're too small. Uh, I don't think our. I don't think so we have David, the population. But the thing is, like, there's the potential to actually do something. Remember, you, like the other day, I was just having a conversation with somebody, and we were the first place where a sustainable home was built in Saskatchewan by the Germans back in the seventies. 
building passive home. And, and, and then it was just abandoned at that point. And that's a shame because we could have just expanded on that. Could you imagine we're building passive? So this is called what? Scott Anderson. He's the owner of Chopaloo. Chopaloo? Chop, or is some, it? Some, something no, like no, that. No, sorry. Chop Value? Is that what Chop it is? Chop Value. Yeah. He's got a logo in the middle there or something like that. So Chop Value. And so he's recycling chopsticks? Yeah. And I thought, I, I was shocked. that Because I also think that they should come to KBIT. www.chopvalue.com. That's interesting. Yeah. Recycling, I've never thought about. Recycling chopsticks. Yeah, who'd have thought? Because you would do it, you but snap them. But they have them. these acoustic panels. that and, and the minute you put in an acoustic panel, so it's a feature, but you have something like that, that you have this beautiful feature, but it's going to help reduce that sound bouncing yeah, it back and the forth sound. Yeah, no. because people want to connect and that's the biggest thing with opening up hosts and as a matter of fact I, I have a client that we just met last week and we're, we're probably ripping out all the interior walls on the one side of their house because of sound no just it's like this house was built and the kitchen was like oh shit we need a kitchen so they <laughs> threw it in a hallway at the back of the house it is the weirdest house I've ever seen okay I, I, I just kept I just stood there and looked and was like well, what the hell do I do with this? Because it was just so weird. Like it was like a total afterthought. And this yeah. is a 1970s house in Canada. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Very odd. Very, very, very odd. So we're li- probably going to blow out all the walls. And look, the contractor's all on that. And he says, what size of door do you want? Because they have a great big patio door. So that's the other thing I advocate. Get rid of your patio door. Put a great big 36, 42-inch French door. Full light, you still got your light, you still have easy access, but you got something that's way, way more energy efficient. Still looks nice. Yeah. And then you don't have 60 inches of space taken up on your wall. Yep. You can reclaim some of that. Well, it's, it's a 60 inch opening, but your opening is actually less than 30. It's yeah. 20, it's 24, 26 it's or something like that. By the time you slide it, it goes back to the shower sliding door. Yeah. That whole thing. But then now you start getting into lift and slide doors, which are the cost of a car and all this other yeah. crap, right? So, But it's 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 efficiency. It's maximizing natural light. It's, you know, really focusing on functionality. And, yeah. I, and that's what I do. Like, I, I get into the nitty gritty of how my client functions, how they cook, what they shop, you know. These are critical questions to be is. answered. Like, I have a client that has over 50 spices. Where do you store shit like that? I don't know. Where? Like you need, we have an entire 30 inch drawer that they have filled with all of their spices. You could fit 50 of them in one. They did. Wow. They did. It's impressive. Yeah. 30, really that many spices? They used them all. And I was like, wow. So you got to understand. So that's a functional kitchen. Again. Yeah. And you need to understand how people use their space. Things like that. So we didn't increase the footprint of this kitchen, but we reconfigured it. So we put the range back over on the wall and they had it, you know, in a kind of an island. It's a, it's a weird kitchen. It's like two L shapes and they didn't want to tear it on the wall. They didn't want to open it up, but we moved the range back over. So the kitchen, the sink and the range and the fridge are kind of all in one L. And then the other L is more of like a prep zone or accessory and leveled everything off and added some seating and they can have three people working in that kitchen and not trip over anybody. So that's good. You know, they were, they had 
company in and they had family over and everybody had their own zone. Everybody had their own space. And somebody could be cleaning up at the sink and not bumping into the person at the stove. And so it's that that you try to achieve. And what you need to understand as a contractor, as a kitchen designer, as a designer, that you impact people's daily lives in such a significant capacity that you have to take that power and not take it for granted and, and really do that service to your client. So that's... Natalia, this has been an amazing talk, almost two hours here. And we still can keep on going, but uh, we got to wrap it up. I got to do the the final segment here, the 12 questions of construction. Anything else you want to share? I think I'm good. I was just going to say one last point would be, I guess the kitchen is the most expensive room in the house. Can be. Can become. So is that the reason why clients get so personally attached to certain decisions and emotions can run high because it's of so much investment. money being spent in that one room. It's a big investment. It's not something you take lightly. But I think it's because it impacts every single day. It's the same with the bathroom. The bathroom is such a personal space. The morning, the afternoon, the evening. Well, yeah. and you use a bathroom multiple times a day yeah. and we, we talk about living in place and stuff like that and a person can lose their independence if their bathroom isn't functional oh, really sure. really quickly for sure and it's it's an area of the home that nobody wants to share i get into that in in the book too and, and the planning side of things but the kitchen is because it's it is the heart of the home it's yeah. it's the nucleus that yeah. everything revolves around yeah you, you have to go about these renovations with a lot of due diligence and a lot of care and working with the right professionals to give you the best result and the best bang for your buck. And we don't, you don't have to spend eighty, hundred, hundred and fifty, three hundred thousand dollars to get a great kitchen. You just need to work with the right people. But clients do though. Clients. And have, you know what? Knock yourself out if you have it. Spend 70, it. Seventy-five grand on cabinets and. <sighs> if you want to, like, you know. Send them my way. <laughs> detail by design, triple W detail by design. Dot ca. Dot ca. So yeah, sorry. Uh, detail by the triple W detail by design. Dot ca, and Natalia at detail by design, and then on Facebook it's detail by design Ottawa, on Twitter it's detail by design, and on Instagram it's detail by design fifteen. Twelve questions of construction. You ready to go? Mm-hmm. What is your favorite construction word? Oh, demo. Demo. What is your least favorite construction word? Delay. (laughs) What turns you on in construction? Completion. (laughs) What turns you off in construction? Delays. What is your favorite curse word or phrase? Pound salt. Pound of salt. Go pound salt. Oh, go pound salt. Or go salt. punt. I use that one a little. So when you have that. to, you know, when you have to keep your tongue, mm. <laughs> which I don't very Got often. It. What is your favorite vehicle? Anything in the world? 1969 Dodge Dart. Ooh. That's my dream car. What color? Plum crazy purple, which is what color of my truck is. <laughs> what is your least favorite vehicle in the world? Oh, it's got to be a kia or something kia soul or, or something? Well, i don't know anything kia something 
Toyota or I don't know. What construction sound or noise do you love? Uh, it's probably not a const- well, nothing like a um, like an air ratchet, but that's oh. more that's more automotive. But that's also my background too. My dad's a mechanic. My yeah, son's a that's mechanic. Where the connection my is. ex is a mechanic. No, you can use an air ratchet and yeah. yeah. What construction sound or noise do you hate? Oh shit. <laughs> what profession other than your own would you like to attempt one day? Fashion design. Fashion design. That's my retirement. Fashion plan. design is actually connected to home design. You know that? Yeah. It is. It it's is. directly the connected. The trends are there. What profession would you not like to do one day? Dentistry. I know. Ever. <laughs> I don't I even know. like going. Last question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Your friends are waiting. Hmm, that's nice. Pleasure to finally meet. Absolutely. We've just spoken. It's two years. I know, forever. Uh, I've been meaning to plan to come to Ottawa to record a bunch of shows because there's a, there's a bunch of tradespeople out there that want to get on the show. We have some great people. Yeah, that's great. Ottawa. Do you know Conscious Builder? The Conscious Builder, I think it is, his handle. He's so, in Ottawa. I was one of the founding members of the NKBA Ottawa chapter okay. back when it started in 2010. And I have secured the wonderful position of chapter president for the next two years. Oh, good for you. So we have a gala coming up on the 7th of May, which is our design competition gala. We're doing a big event at the Chateau Laurier Hotel. Okay. So it's going to be a big splash. We have a theme punk, a steampunk theme, so it's going to be really cool. And if this airs before or after, we're doing a huge... Well, this is going to go on probably tomorrow, the day after. Yeah, <laughs> okay. So I'll, I'll give a sneak peek. We are actually announcing um, a huge community outreach program from the Ottawa chapter, the NKBA Ottawa chapter. We're looking to do a big renovation for a local women's shelter. Very nice. So that's going to be my legacy. What's my the handle for the chapter? Do you guys have a social handle for the chapter or no? Um, you can find them on nkba.org. You can okay. look it up by Ottawa chapter. Ottawa. Okay. So so May 7th, which is Mother Day, Mother's Day weekend, right? Because Mother's Day is on May 8th. Oh, I is think. it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. I know that one. Um, yeah. So there's no, but it, that's where it works out to be. Yeah. Okay, cool. So people can look up there and, and they yeah. can also donate then as well? They can. Okay, so. cool. Yeah, we're announcing to our to our members, we're going to announce the big program at the gala, or I guess I've just announced it now. It just is something I got inspired. I saw at uh, the Kitchen and Bath Industry show from one of the other Canadian chapters, and I just I, I thought, you know what? The community's been hit so hard yeah. in so many ways, and there's so many people that are so much less fortunate yep. than us in construction. Yeah. Because really, we have it really good right now. You have to plan for when it's not so good, but that's another story episode yeah but there are so many people that have had their lives upended with this pandemic and it i want to give back and because we've had such abundance and we haven't been affected by this i i think it's time to uh to be able to give back Good to those you. less fortunate so. that's amazing so we'll, we'll share it we'll, sh we'll let people know i'll add it in the notes there i'll put the link i'll try to i'll do actually i'll go on the line i'll go online and get right to that and then get the ottawa one so i'll put that link on the on the show notes so everyone sure. knows about it that's great yeah it's that's exciting it. Okay, so thanks so much, Natalia. I really appreciate it. Again, everybody, www.detailbydesign.ca, Natalia at Detail by Design, and on Facebook, Detail by Design Ottawa, on Twitter, Detail by Design, and on Instagram, Detail by Design 15. Awesome. Thank you very much. We are out of here now. <laughs>